Good morning. Are we good? Can you hear me all right? All right, welcome to worship. Yeah, I think you got me. Welcome to worship. Glad you're here. A lot of energy and excitement as everyone's coming in and looking forward to seeing the difference after tonight. Am I right, Linda? Absolutely. It's going to look different. She's going to like take everything out. Anyway, welcome. Grab your bulletins. A few announcements as we get started. If you are a guest, we have a tear-off portion on the back. And just fill that out, and you can put it in the offering plate when it goes by in a little while. And we'd love to follow up with you on anything you would like to know about Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side, the yellow page at the bottom is a place for prayer requests. Continue to put prayer requests in there. Put them in the offering plate. We'd love to pray for you. And they can be anonymous, so it doesn't have to have a name on there. Anyway, thank you for doing that each week. On the back are opportunities for the week. Make mention of a few things. Uh, we will talk about the hanging of the green service. Linda will mention that more uh, in a little while. And did make mention Monday, tomorrow night. We do have basketball at 7. It's just not on the uh, bulletin. And then uh, Wednesday, we have our midweek Bible study at 11. We do have our Wednesday night supper this Wednesday. So it's Salisbury Steak. Make sure you sign up and attend. Love to see you there. And then stay for week one of our Connect Groups. We are uh, going to show a set of videos that highlight each of these studies. Very excited about them. One we have offered in the past, so if you're not able to do that, if you were in another study, you can go into that study. But uh, we have three studies, and they start this Wednesday night in our uh, education wing. So we'll go ahead and show these three videos. And then uh, afterwards, you can go to the table, look at the material, sign up. Each of the videos just costs $10, and that covers all the materials, your books and stuff for the study. Uh, so all of them are $10, and you can check them out on your way out after the service. Let's look at our three studies. Life is filled with divine opportunities, but we have to learn how do you recognize them and how do you seize them? You know, the Bible is just full of stories of people who were given a divine opportunity by God, but it was their response, their yes or their no, that would end up shaping their lives. For years, what I was doing was so conflicting with what my heart wanted to do. I've had a gratifying career, but I've gotten further and further away from things that really mattered to me and where I thought I could make a difference. Everything that I had depended on was now taken away. It was me in the wilderness with God. An open door does not mean that all will be pleasant and smooth on the other side. Sometimes the open doors God wants us to go through require hardship and struggle. He meets human beings at the threshold of every open door. The magic of the open door is not the new circumstance or job or location or accomplishment. It's being with him. It was in those times of prayer that God reminded me, man, I can take care of them and I love them more than you do. You know, we are making a difference. We are able to impact them for the better. When you hear those things, it makes all the hard work all worth it. I live for changing the world where I can have an effect and help other men find the same life that I've got to live. I'm always trying to be aware that God is watching me, but I'm serving it in Jesus' name. And when it's all finished and done with, I want him to say, well done. It is a divinely opened door, a door intentionally, thoughtfully, purposefully, deliberately opened by God himself 
This door is symbolic of boundless opportunities, of unimagined chances to do good, to make your life count for eternity. An open door is the great adventure of life because it means the possibility of doing something that's actually useful to the God of eternity. We are surrounded in the world by rampant immorality. 130,000 babies were aborted today. Sex trafficking, a $58 billion industry worldwide. Some cultures abusing distinctions between male and female, other cultures ignoring distinctions between male and female. Over a billion people live and die in desperate poverty. Though I would like to insulate myself from these statistics, they represent realities. James says, if there's no mercy in your life toward the orphan and the widow, if you're living according to the ways of this world, and if you don't have a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is a sham. It's worthless. We must speak clearly and biblically and boldly on these things. A global, God-exalting, passionate idealism is exactly what is needed in the Church of Christ today. You can't know this King and be silent about this King. We're compelled to live out our faith in Him, to apply our convictions from Him in every facet of our lives. It may cost us at work. It may cost us in our community. It may cost us according to the government. But we obey Christ regardless of what it costs because we fear God more than we fear men. Let's live differently in the world around us. Let's turn things upside down because we want His gospel to spread to the nation. We want His glory more than we want life itself. A lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we'll immediately start debating about, well, do you think this word and this verse means this or that? And we'll nitpick these different passages and we'll miss the main point. I mean, the point is that the God of the universe lives inside of our bodies. How do we miss that? The fact that the God of the universe is in me and so I have this power to do things that the ordinary person cannot do. Bible? Don't you read these, these passages about spirit-filled men and women and you see the supernatural things that happen in their lives and, and inside of you, don't you just long for that? Don't you know there's something more? And, and we absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit filled Peter and Paul and all those early believers. So why don't we believe that that same Holy Spirit would do that in us? We need to believe again. 
we need to remember him. And the table's in the back, so go back afterwards, look at them, and pray about which one you'd like to attend. The Forgotten God series, the one at the end, that is a ladies-only study this time. We'll probably do that for a, a, a mixed group later on, but the ladies want to do that, so guys, don't pick that one. You'll crash their party. Uh, other announcements, we do have uh, Awana Youth this Wednesday, choir rehearsals at Northside at 7 o'clock on Wednesday and then the youth are going to a Newsboys concert. We have a few tickets. If anybody's interested, you can talk to me afterwards if you'd like to go. They're $15, and that's going to be a good night. And then the UNI Sunday School class party is Saturday. In your bulletins is the uh, week of prayer for international missions leading off our Lottie Moon offering. I'd ask you to take that, follow along with it, pray for our uh, missionaries and the emphases that are there as our week of prayer begins for international missions. Also, in the back is a form and an envelope on the table. I think the table's sort of back on the bottom of the stairs there for our poinsettias for this year. If you would like to uh, order a poinsettia in memory or in honor of a loved one, they're $8.50, and they'll be placed in the sanctuary the 23rd and the 24th of this month. And so you just fill this out, put the money in the envelope, and you can put it in the offering plate or just bring it and leave it in the office, and we'll take care of it that way. Linda, I think it's you. Thank you. Good morning. morning. Okay, look around. There are no lights on the columns. There are no lights anywhere. It was on purpose. Nobody forgot. We want you to come tonight to join us as we illuminate our sanctuary in preparation for the coming of the Christ child. It's at 7 o'clock, lots of music, narration. I know you'll enjoy it, and I pray that you'll be drawn closer to Christ and really prepare, among all the hustle and bustle, for the coming of our Lord and Savior. So 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary, and there will be a tasting afterwards. Okay? Now, if you would please stand. Okay, come on, stand up. And if you would get your hymnals. Oh, Miss Culver, remind me that you're supposed to bring food for the tasting or there won't be any food over there. So, or there won't be a tasting, the choir's reminding me. You can tell where our hearts are this morning in food. And you know, um, I know you guys, cause I've been the recipient of some of your delicious food. So if you can whip up one of your favorite Christmas dishes and bring it tonight, um, we would really appreciate it. Is that all? Did I do good? Oh, I did good, I got a thumbs up. Okay, so turn in your hymnals to page 175, kind of keep it there, lay it on your pew. You know what comes next, right? What comes next? Meet and greet. Okay, I want y'all to have at it, and Leslie's going to come up and lead you in a minute. Okay, have fun.
ready to sing to our Lord this morning. John chapter 8, starting verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him and said, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Then Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does, not, the son does remain forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you for the gathering of your children together to worship and glorify your name. We thank you for setting us free in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for uh, our salvation given freely. We thank you for the forgiveness that you have provided. And we thank you for the cross. And God, in this Advent season, we thank you that you came to this earth, you dwelt amongst us, and that you lived and suffered and died and rose. God, we pray that this Christmas season, our hearts would be focused on you, Lord Jesus, that we would put away the distractions that try to uh, take your place during this season, and that, God, you would be glorified to the highest. So, God, we give you this service. We pray your Holy Spirit would dwell and that you would be honored. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Again, I ask that you take your hymnals and turn to page 176, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, as we enter into this Christmas season. It's so exciting to be able to sing these wonderful Christmas songs. And if you take a look at the previous page, 175, where we sang, O Come, E Come, Emmanuel, I ask that we read that verse together that's right underneath at Isaiah 7:14. Let's read that together as we stand and sing. Let's, uh, ready? The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Let's stand and sing.
may be seated. And we'll now have our lighting of the Advent candle. first candle lit is the candle of expectation or the prophecy candle. It is symbolic of the long years of waiting as the Old Testament prophets told of the coming of the Messiah. This candle reminds us that God's promises give us reason to be filled with hope. Hope for unity in a world of division, hope for healing in a world of pain, and hope for peace in worlds filled with anger and strife. Romans 15, 12, and 13 read, And again, Isaiah said, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'll ask you to get out your hymnals. We're going to turn to page 182, that wonderful carol, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Page 182, please stand.
remain standing for our offertory prayer. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you, Almighty King, for who you are and all that you've done for us, Father. We thank you for the freedom that we have to come into your house to worship you, for only you are worthy, Almighty King. We thank you, Father, for the freedoms for those who protect our freedoms around this world. May you watch over and bless them. We thank you, Father, for those who proclaim the freedom. May you watch over them and protect them too, O Lord. Fathers, we come before you now with our tithes and offerings. We pray, O Lord, that these tithes and offerings would be but a reflection of our depth of our love that we have for you. May you use these tithes and offerings to share the good news of Christ Jesus all around the world to those who may never have heard and to those who may never have received. For we pray all this in the name above all names, Christ Jesus, and all of God's people said,
as we come to the Advent season, this is the time to remember as we anticipate what the Lord has already done. We come to this season of the year having left the Thanksgiving season as we have termed it and entered into the Advent season, but all seasons should be seasons of thanks. Jesus in the upper room, the night of his betrayal, tried to explain to his disciples what was to come and the reason for it. But like us, they did not understand the depths of their sin and the cost that it would take to redeem us. And so Jesus gave them a tangible physical reminder. He actually elevated the cup and the bread to symbolize his broken body and his blood that was shed for us. He gave this to us as a way to remember. Even during this season of Advent and joy and hope, to remember the price of our sin. And so the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup. And he said to his disciples, this is the new covenant in my blood. Blood that would be shed for the remission of sins. For as often as you drink it, remember me. The Apostle Paul reminds us, for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Amen.
Good morning. I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a very great joy to be here. It has been a, a fun week so far. We, uh, my youngest son, Samuel, and I arrived from Cape Town on Monday night, late Monday night. Um, we, uh, as a family, have been serving in Cape Town for 19 years now, uh, where I, I teach at the seminary there, and my wife works with refugees. And so this week has been fun getting over jet lag. And uh, on Thursday, I actually got to watch a football game at a normal time instead of 3 a.m., and I, 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 I didn't wear my tie, but I was excited for the game. And then on Friday, got to, I got to meet my grandson for the first time. We have Skyped several times, and he is 11 months old, and we had a blast. Drove down to Lynchburg and spent about six hours playing with Joshua and Micah and uh, had a wonderful time. And then to be able to gather here on Sunday to worship with you um, and to participate together has been a great joy and excitement. So I want to thank you for the opportunity and I'm also doubly excited that this is the beginning of the prayer for international missions uh, and the kickoff of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and I know very well the impact of Lottie Moon in our lives. So I want to take a moment to thank you on the behalf of other missionaries and myself, myself for your continued prayer for us. I know many of you have one of our prayer cards from times past uh, for you welcoming my family, but also for your giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And this year, the Lottie Moon goal is $160 million, which 100% of that money goes to the field and in one of uh, primary four ways. And so we say, why still do we need the Lottie Moon? Well, 2.8 billion people are still without little or no contact with the gospel. And so your Lottie Moon gifts uh, are used in one of four ways on the field. They, they support and care for missionaries. I know for us as a family, we have a house, a car, and resources to use because of Lottie Moon. And over this last year, 811 people groups were engaged by your missionaries around the world. I know also we provide the gospel. Again, in our ministry, particularly Gail, as she teaches English to refugees, she uses the gospel of Mark, and we give out about 300 Bibles uh, uh, every year in the context of those Bible studies, reaching new people groups. And so there is a part of your Lottie Moon money that actually is for Bible funds. And, and so the actually of getting out the gospel. This last year, globally, we saw over 100,000 people come to Christ through some of the ministries which your Lottie Moon money has helped support. And then the area I'm most involved in, which is training leaders. Um, and I do bring greetings from the Cape Town Baptist Seminary. They had their graduation service last night. And the principal reminded me to be sure to give thanks and greetings um, because I'm able to serve there. And I lecture full time. And we've seen this last year 14,000 pastors graduating with some level of training and equipping. Uh, this year saw the launch of the Africa Baptist Theological Education Network, which is a conglomeration of not just IMB schools, but Baptist colleges all over Sub Saharan Africa. And it was a cool meeting up in Nairobi where we had about 80 people, 90 people from 26 different countries. Uh, we had representatives from the oldest Baptist seminary in Africa, which is in Nigeria, is 60-something years old. And we had the youngest Baptist seminary, less than two years old, in Botswana. And everybody was together looking at the challenge of how do we better equip our pastors for the challenges. And then, obviously, we also meet needs. A lot of people don't realize we're also engaging in human needs. And, again, Gail uh, meets 
and works with refugees. And as uh, um, uh, you're having a study come up, Gail will have an opportunity to share here at the church on the refugee study later. But we use BGR projects. We use feeding projects, blanket projects, not just as an in themselves, but as a means of opening doors. And we've seen church plants come up where we are with the, one of the Burundian communities. And we've seen 12,000 church plants across our, our world this last year alone. And so thank you again for your gifts to Lottie Moon. I cannot express how deeply that means for us for the opportunity to be where we are called to be and to know there are churches praying and supporting us. So thank you. Um, we come to an opportunity to, to share the word and to open. And, and I'm reminded by one of our uh, elders back home in our church. He's a Didier Kasonga. He is from the DRC. And whenever he introduces or prays prior to the sermon, he always reminds us we're coming to be spiritually fed. And so he says, bon appetit. <laughs> so hopefully it is time for us to feed well on God's word. And there's always that question of, of, of what to preach. And, and so as I had a chance to, to meet with Pastor Tim earlier, and it was, I didn't know if he wanted me to look at Advent or do a missionary talk, and he gave me those wonderful words, what well, God leads you. So I'm so excited to be able to really share with you what God has been challenging me this year. This year, usually every year, God really works with me in one area of my own life and growth. And this year it has been from John 15, that abiding deeply. To abide in Him, not simply to, to go along and do your things, but to begin to hear more and more of God's heartbeat. And, and that's really the question. Do we take the time to ask often enough, what is it God desires? What is it that God wants? And particularly, I don't know how it is in your family, but we come to Christmas time, and each of our kids gives us their wish list. We kind of look through some of the wish lists and start planning and I'm reminded of my favorite Christmas movie, which is The Bishop's Wife, old movie with Cary Grant and, and David Niven. And, and at the final sermon, there's this imp, the sermon on the empty stocking, how everybody has stockings hung up except for the Christ child. And the question is, in those, in those moments, do we pause to ask of God, God, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. God, tell me what you want. Do we pause to say, God, I want to know your heart. You see, as followers of Christ, our concern should be that our desires, our passions, that our heartbeat begins to beat in time with God's. That should be part of our desire. So as we grasp those questions, where do we go? And so I want to go, we're going to be turning this morning to 1 Timothy, which is an incredible letter. This is where Paul is in prison himself. And he is writing to encourage and challenge Timothy, who is a young pastor. And he wants him to get, get it right, get his priorities well-ordered. And as he focuses on ministry, and in chapter 2, we have, he actually have this phrase as he's talking about it. He reminds Timothy about what God wants. And I like the New American Standard will translate it, what God desires. And so we find in this passage an incredible reminder for ourselves and so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Let's hear together uh, the words that uh, the Holy Spirit wrote through Paul. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases our God, our Savior, who wants, who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. Amen. And so as we come to this task, this, this challenge, or this text, I want to challenge us. What do we hear when we listen to the Father's heart? I think before, however, we can focus on God's heart, I think Paul has said it right here, we must begin by praying fervently. You see, this is the beginning point of everything. The call for us, Jesus, in his talking to his disciples in the upper room, there's, no, there's a reason why in the center of that great, great discussion, it's about abiding, resting in him, hearing, waiting, bear, bear, being born up by him. But I love the fact that here in this passage, Paul reminds Timothy of a scope of prayers, all of which call us to God's heart. He says, bring your requests. You know, your requests are often the our wants, our needs, our desires. And in those moments, as we pray before God, as we dwell in him, he begins to shape our very wants. He says, bring your requests and your prayers. I'm going to come again to this moment, this, this broader topic of prayer. But he says also to, to your intercessions. The intercessions are those moments where we get to engage with God's heart about other people about other opportunities. We come before him, lifting him up, and very often as we are praying, God begins to challenge us and nudge us and says, now I want you to go and do something about this. I reminded uh, a few, uh, not too long ago, uh, my wife is a part of her ESL. She often has a BGR project, a feeding or whatever. And so this particular year, we had a feeding project. And one of the ladies who we knew needed food wasn't going to be able to go and collect, but God... Gail felt, really, we, we need to go now. And so um, Therese is, was, had just had a C-section, was a family of 10 people. The, the, the husband could not work because of the beatings that he took while he was in the DRC before they fled. And so 10 people, one month's worth of food, up three flights of stairs. But when Gail arrived, what we didn't know is that morning, they had had their last cup of porridge, oatmeal, and they had shared one bite for you, one bite for you, one bite for you, until it ran out. And her husband in tears said, what are we going to do? She said, we're going to pray, and God will provide. And as they're praying, Gail shows up. You see, sometimes God, as you're praying, God's going to say, okay, now I want you to move. I think that's one of the reasons we don't like intercession too much, because God might get a hold of our hearts. But you know, he challenges us. And he says at this last one, this Thanksgiving, celebrate God's moving. Because again, sometimes it's important to remember the grace of God and to celebrate that. And I love when he says, on whose behalf? He says, for everyone. <laughs> you know, don't leave out anyone in your prayer time. Go and deeply reside with others. He, he lists specifically leaders. Remember Paul's in prison. And he reminds him, pray for the king, remember, that you can live peaceful. But he still qualifies it in godliness and holiness, never compromising Paul didn't choose to compromise and be silent, and so he wound up in prison, but he's saying so. When we come back to that one on that second phrase on prayers, I want to be reminded of Jesus' teaching on prayer. You remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount as they gather together and the disciples want to know how to pray, and Jesus is teaching them, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Now, I have to be honest. Growing up, I kind of thought the prayer began at the give us this day our daily prayer. You know, I mean, that first part just seemed like preamble. Okay, okay, give us this day our daily, but now we're getting to the heart of what prayer is about, right? But you notice what Jesus does, man. When he says prayer, he starts with these three admonitions. God, may, may your name be made holy. May your kingdom be evident. May your will be obeyed on earth as it is in, in heaven. Now, I'm pretty sure in heaven, God's will is obeyed. That God is understood as the Holy One. His kingdom is paramount. And yet when I ask, when we pray this prayer, do we really mean God? In my life, may your name be made holy. In my life, Lord, may your kingdom be at the front. In my life, may your will be done. That's what we're saying we're praying. And so, as we want to hear God's heart, it begins with fervent passionate prayer before God. But now, as a, well, let me tell you one story, because I got, I got to tell stories. <laughs> uh, God challenges me. Um, I've been teaching now 19 years, right? And sometimes, you know, you just get on the habit, I just need to finish my lectures, because I don't want to miss notes. And so sometimes I get that type A kind of thing. And God was really challenging me. It's not simply about getting to the end of your notes, but engaging with the students. And so I really felt challenged on a daily basis to when I get to seminary, to first of all, literally pray through my lectures for that day, that I'd be open to what God moves. And so I remember one particular uh, Sunday, we were going through Old Testament survey, and I find that my African brothers and sisters love the Old Testament way more than our American counterparts. A lot of it is because they understand the worldview of the Old Testament. They understand what it is to be a part of a tribe, a clan, a group. And so for them, it resonates so well. And there's one particular story that for all of them, they always bring up that I have to be honest, I never heard taught in Sunday school. And that is the Witch of Endor story. If you don't know that story, it's, it's after Samuel has died and Saul is panicking. He wants to hear from Samuel, so he goes to a witch and asks her to let Samuel talk to him. That's a very weird story, and I never, ever heard it taught in Sunday school. However, all of my African brothers and sisters is important because for them, they live with the issue of ancestor worship, ancestor veneration, ancestor mediators. So I remember one particular uh, class, my friend, my, my student, Kosanati from Zimbabwe, he says, Doc, I got a question for you. I said, okay. It says, now, every year on the anniversary of my grandfather's death, we, my family makes some homemade beer. We put it in a bowl and we give it to the cow. And then my grandfather's voice comes out of the cow and gives us advice for that year. Now, to be honest, I've got my Ph.D. from Southern Seminary, and I never, ever heard that taught about what to do. <laughs> and so I begin to say, well, Kosanani, um, what do you think is happening? He goes, no, no, Doc, I understand it's demons. That's not my question. How do I tell my parents it's demons? Ah, suddenly we launched into a whole discussion, and my Kosa brothers also began to talk because for them, this is a real issue. I think very often it's easier on the African side because the demonic is so much more obvious, although it's still very present in America. Y'all just don't see it as much because the cows aren't talking. 
But for me, the reality is, had I not spent time more and more asking God, God, show me, God, let me be moved, let me be open to side discussions that would glorify you, I would have missed that opportunity. So I think the, the, the cool thing that we hear here is that we need to be prepared so that we can focus on God's heart. And when we focus on God's heart, we begin to understand God's passion. What it is that moves, that drives, that, that, that gets God excited, right? And I love here that, again, Paul gives us these two elements. God wants, God desires that all would be saved. This is God's passion. This is God's heartbeat. I know in Cape Town, about 113 people die every day. Most of them die not knowing Christ. We have about 15% Muslim population in Cape Town. Yet we've had churches in Cape Town for hundreds of years, and there's still pockets of darkness, which suggests we can't just keep doing the same old, same old. Does it make a difference on a daily basis in my town that so many are dying? I know in Richmond, the, the, according to your statistics, 1,866 people died in the, annually a couple of years ago. I have no idea how many knew Christ, but it doesn't matter to you. And I think as Paul continues, it's not just that God desires all to be saved. He also to come to the knowledge of truth that there is one God and there is one mediator. God, it's not just some nebulous salvation. It is a very specific declaration of gospel that God has moved and acted. God desires people to know this, this specific message of gospel. But now the cool thing is God desires and God acts. We, we celebrated today the communion, reminding us that God did not leave us in our sinfulness. God did not abandon us in hopelessness. But God moved toward us. God is the one who acted on our behalf. God is the one who draws us to him. God is not impotent or uncaring or inactive. And God continues to, God is moving, God is around us, and too often, I think we're not even listening anymore. I, one of my students, I have the great privilege of teaching uh, evangelism in an urban context, and, and they have a lot of challenges that they have to do as a part of that class. Um, they have to have 15 conversations with people they didn't know that leads to this spiritual discussions. That usually causes a lot of fear. But they also have to plan some outreaches. And so one of my students uh, who lives in a very, very gang-heavy area. A lot of death, a lot of shooting, and his passion is for that neighborhood because that's where he grew up. And so we took a mission team to go there in Lavender Hill. And we're prayer walking with some of the senior citizens uh, during the day. And you literally hear gunshots. And I remember my, stu my student turns to the older lady who's our guide and says, you know, is that gunfire? To it, she looks at him and says, yes, that's why we're praying. <laughs> and boldly keeps going. And that church, they started praying. They'd go on prayer walks weekly. And it wasn't like a month or so into this, they have this gang man stops them and says, what are you doing in our area? He said, we're praying. And so he paused. Can you come and pray at my house for my family? He said, he knows, man. He knows that his life is worthless, that he will die young and his family will be in danger and he needed some hope. And so they, so they changed their strategy. 
They no longer do prayer walking, they do prayer knocking. They go door to door, knocking, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? In the course of one year, they wound up having 10 Bible studies start. None of those were Christian homes, but all of them noted they needed hope. We know where hope is. You see, when we begin focusing on God's heart, we hear his passion. But it also challenges us to act boldly. (laughs) And I love that once again, in this letter, Paul doesn't have a single description of one size fits all. He's talking about the different ways God has used him. And he says, you know, I've been a herald. Now, most of us don't look in the newspaper for the herald jobs. (laughs) It's not really one of those job descriptions we hear often. But the herald was important. It was the person who, when the king made a declaration, would go to town to town and and tell the news of the king to make sure nobody missed out. And Paul says, I've done that. He says, I've been the apostle, the one who gets sent. And that's literally all the word means, the one who is sent out at the pleasure of the king, at the direction of the king says, I've been the teacher. That's the one who gets to explain the words that the herald is sharing, to explain that news of the king. And there's great that there's flexibility. Not all of us have the same role. But notice no one gets the option to not act. See, there's only one focus in all of this, and that is the king's heart. That is God's desire, God's passion. If you think back to the, the gospel of Mark when Jesus is first calling his disciples, we probably know the story, right? He tells his, those fishermen, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? No. Somehow in our brains, we make those as if they're two widely separate steps rather than two sides of one coin. You see, to follow Jesus is to be a fisher. You cannot faithfully follow Jesus and fail to bear witness to him. It's an impossibility. It is salt that doesn't taste salty. And somehow in our minds, we've got this idea, and and I was the same, that, that if I want to grow in my faith, I just need to come and listen to more sermons and Bible studies. And those are awesome. But if you want to grow in your faith, it's only going to happen as you obey what you've heard. As you begin to step out on what God says and realize God is serious and he's walking with you, then your faith begins to expand and to grow. There's a very painful video that I saw several years ago. About, it came out in 2012. There's a, a, a magician and a, and, a, and a comedian by the name of Penn Gillette, and he has a part of a team, Penn and Teller, and he's a well-known atheist. He shared the story that after one of his shows, there was a, a man who had been at the night before show, and he came back that day, and he kind of, what he called in the hover position over to the side because he wanted to talk to him. And when he came up, he gave him a Bible, just a Gideon's New Testament, and had written some things in it and stuff. And many of, of Penn's uh, uh, um, other atheist friends thought it was very uh, unconsidered of him to share. But this was his words. Again, an uh, atheist says he has no respect for those who don't attempt to proselytize. He says, I have no respect if you don't attempt to share your faith. He goes, I mean, if you claim that you know the, the way by which someone can get to heaven or paradise, or if you claim you know how someone can avoid judgment or hell, how much must you hate somebody not to tell them that good news? So here was our atheist friend saying, you know, maybe we need to rethink some of this. 
On the other side, there's a, a, a manner of sharing the gospel that I use in my class. And i got a video I want to show you. Um, this came from the Australian church's movement and push. And it's just a method of sharing the gospel called the three circles. And so we've got a video that's going to come up. This is one that I teach my students as one of the options. We teach several, but this is probably one of those that's become one of the more favorites. And so just for you a chance to see. Has anyone showed you the three circles before? Have you had a three? three circles before? Has anyone ever shared the three circles with you before? No. no. So this is the first circle. So this represents the world that's broken. All of us live in a broken world. You only have to turn on the news and see... Suffering, death. War, sickness. Rape, disease, it's everywhere, right? But you know, God didn't actually create the world to be like this, full of brokenness, eh? Here's the second circle. This circle represents God's perfect design. God's perfect design was a world without brokenness. A world full of love. Full of joy and peace yeah. and unity. But what we did was we sinned. Sin could be anything from lying to murder. Wait, so like, just like normal lying or like hard lying? And what sin did, it separated us from God's perfect design and threw us into brokenness. And so people try all kinds of different things to get out of brokenness. They might try drugs or alcohol. Or maybe chasing a career or money. Smoking. Even bullying other people at school. Oh, sleeping suicide. around. Suicide, exactly, a good example. But it doesn't actually fix the problem of brokenness. It's like a bungee cord. We just get snapped straight back into brokenness. And ultimately, if people die in that state of brokenness, separate from God, and that means that that's eternal separation from God. Do you know what this place is often called? Yes. So what God did was he didn't want to leave us in that place. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus was God, so yes. he had no sin. And when he died and rose again, he actually took on all of our sin and cancelled it like he crushed it. He said if we would turn away from our sin and believe in Jesus and make Jesus the Lord of our life, we become restored, restored back into God's original design and you become a new creation, a new person in Christ. And will restore us back into relationship with Him. So there's only two kinds of people in this world, people that are in brokenness or God's perfect design. Where would you see yourself? Probably right there, to be honest. This is cool. I'm not sure. Love? Brokenness? Love. The bungee stage. <laughs> yeah, the same. And where would, would you, you like, like to be? So where would you like to be? You'd like to be here? Yeah. yeah. So here? So is there anything that's stopping you? From turning and, and believing in Jesus? And allow him to be Lord and King of your life? Stubbornness? Probably not. Probably we, to be honest. Nothing's stopping me. You know the awesome news about Jesus? He is the only way out. If you try to clean yourself up before coming to Jesus, it's like trying to get clean before you take a shower. Oh, I see, yeah, I get that. Is there anything stopping you? We shared the three circles with 34 people. Four were already believers. 13 chose to remain in brokenness, but some were deeply impacted. And 17 wanted to leave brokenness and receive Christ. There are many powerful ways to share the gospel, and the three circles is a great place to start.
just a couple of stories with some of my students. Uh, one of those is Riano. He is a youth minister. Now, for us, Friday nights are youth nights. And he had just gotten out the church, so he'd only been there a couple of weeks. So he got there, and there was no youth that particular week. So he took his whiteboard out, set it in front of the sidewalk of the church, and as people walked by, can I tell you the three circles? <laughs> and so he had the opportunity to share with the 12 people and saw two people come to Christ. Another one of my students, Lynn Ray, she's a pastor's wife, and got so excited, she, she decided she was going to teach this to her junior youth, her grade six and grade sevens. And one of her grade six girls, Christine, got so excited, so Lynn Ray said, do you want to come out with me? And so on a Friday afternoon, they, they went out together, door to door, just sharing, having opportunities, having conversations. And here was this sixth grader sharing the three circles, talking with people. And no one came to Christ, but there were two people who had fallen away or walked away, and they rededicated their lives and were back in church that Sunday. But you see, the challenge is for us to be intentional. So now what? We come to an end. We looked at Scripture, and I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be directed by God's desire? It starts with abiding, seeking Him. And the question is, well, what, do you, what does God want us to do? Uh, I think you know. Because I'm a seminary professor, I have to get homework. <laughs> this is like the law or something. So I want to give you a little homework today. Now, my wife last year at Christmas challenged us as a family. We were about to head to the mall to do some Christmas shopping. And she said, well, we're Christmas shopping, and since it's about God, we ought to be looking for people to share the gospel with while we're there. So that became our challenge, not just to buy presents, but to share, share gospel. And I had a great chance, an exclusive bookstore, to share with this young Muslim man uh, to talk. And, 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 and he's not yet a believer, but we've met a couple times since then, and he's getting closer. So perhaps maybe that's a little too drastic to you. So I want to give you a little easier way. And so if you have some paper, why don't you get out a piece of paper? And uh, I know it's like, we really got to take paper? And I want to give you just uh, a, a minute Actually, not quite a minute because I'm running late, sorry. Um, for you to just to prayerfully consider and list about 10 or 15 names of people that you already know who do not know Jesus. If you need help, get your cell phone out, maybe look through some of your contact list. But just prayerfully write down some people that you already know that they don't know Jesus. So just take uh, 45 seconds or so to start that. Again, you don't have to finish now. This is just kind of getting you going. And again, if you haven't finished, that's fine. Spend some time over lunch maybe. But here's your homework for this list. Put it somewhere where you can see it, maybe on your Bible or if you're like me, on the fridge. And this week, from Monday till Wednesday, begin spending time praying through that list. Asking God to show you who on that list is he already working with. And as one or two names begin to pop up again and again, my challenge for you is on Thursday or Friday, contact that person. And just say, you know, it's kind of weird. I've been thinking about you, praying about and your name keeps coming up. Would you like to get together and have some coffee? Can I talk with you? And have a, make an appointment for coffee, for tea, if you're, that's we do tea, but I you know. And just follow through. So now what we want to do is the person you're next to, I'm going to give you one minute just to pray for each other. This I want you to pray that you would hear from God this week and that you'd have the boldness to obey God this week. So just pray for one another. And again, y'all can pray out loud. It's okay. We'll pretend like we're in Africa now. 
and we do that. So just take, I'm going to give you one minute just to pray for each other, and then I will uh, close in prayer and we'll have our final. Father, as we gather today, I deeply thank you for Mr. Taylor, who shared with me the gospel when I was 14. I thank you for opportunities to to speak into others' lives. And this week, I pray for each of these members here who know you. That this week, as, as these names that have already begun to come to them, Lord, that you would stir in their hearts the ones that you're already talking with. That your Holy Spirit would move us to be obedient and share the truth about Christmas, about the good news, about the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would draw new ones to you. In Christ's name, amen. And the last element of your homework is next week, whoever you just prayed with, when you get here, ask them how it went. And pray for them this week. Because, again, it's not to beat each other up, but to hold each other accountable, to encourage one another, to walk alongside each other, to encourage us in the way. So now as we come to the end of the service, I have no idea what decisions you might need to make. Perhaps you've never heard the gospel and you saw the gospel presented in the three circles and you say, I I need to do that. Perhaps you realize you've just been coasting and God really is challenging you just a prayer to renew yourself, recommit yourself as you're coming into this season. Or maybe you realize God is calling you to be a part of this church. Whatever decision you need to make, I want to give you an opportunity as we uh, sing our closing hymn and Invite you to respond, and Pastor Tim will be here to, to, to meet you as you need. So, as we count. Oh, oh, oh.
thank you for your words this morning, Ronnie. I am grateful for your sharing with us. Um, I said in the first service that was very good. It was very good the second time around too. More than very good. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Even threw a little video in there to wake us up, didn't you? Uh, uh, the first time, he, I don't think you said this in this service, but the first time you stayed in the Alpha House was 1994. So they have been coming back to the Alpha House since 1994. And isn't it wonderful that we can share the Alpha House with our missionaries? It brings the world's doorstep to our doorstep. And we're grateful for that and enjoyed very much what you had to say this morning. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for being Ronnie was excited about preaching. I could figure that out uh, early on in the week when he came to see me. So I'm delighted that we gave him this opportunity today. Uh, two things I want to tell you. The Hanging of the Green service. We're doing the Hanging of the Green service, I would say because we want to do a tasting, but I'm not going to go there. We're doing the Hanging of the Green service uh, as a way to get together on a Sunday evening during the Advent season so that we can fellowship with one another because our cantata this year will be with Northside Baptist Church at Northside Baptist Church. So we traditionally do a tasting and we wouldn't be able to do that. That's part of the reason. But it is a very nice service to come and see the church lit up on this first Sunday of Advent. And so we're going to do that this evening. Uh, the children are participating, right? Uh, uh, and there will be music for you as well, Christmas carols and things that we'll be doing together. So I hope that you will come and that you will stay for the tasting and bring uh, your favorite dessert. Uh, or don't bring your favorite dessert. Uh, just bring a dessert um, and share with us this uh, evening following that service at 7 o'clock. The second thing I need to tell you is that uh, it is Benevolent Sunday, so there will be deacons at the door to receive your benevolence offering. Uh, you know, that goes to help people in the Mechanicsville area with needs that they have. And remember, half of what you give goes to MSEF to continue their work as we do that in partnership. And I have one more thing I have to do, but I've got to walk back here, so I'm not letting you loose, okay? I've got to go back here because there's a lady back here who is not 90 and is not 88, okay? And who is it? She's asking who it is. It is Jean Brooks's birthday. She is 89 today. Uh, they told on you, Jean. They told on you. Let's sing happy birthday to Jean. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jean. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and now let's bow for a benediction our heavenly father as we leave today we do so with the assurance that you go with us that we have a story to tell not only during the season of advent but all throughout the year we're grateful father for ronnie and for his work and gail's work in south africa we're thankful father for their ministry in cape town and the surrounding area we pray, Father, that you will bless their work and thank you for allowing him to bless us this morning with a challenge from your word. Speak to our hearts as we depart, keeping us ever mindful that we are the light of Christ in the world. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.